0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week on Women in Sustainability Design the Future podcast. This is Lindsay. This is Kira. (laughs) And uh, we're back for another week. Um, It's going to be a different week. We're going to do something different this week that I'm really excited about. Um, We've had just about, I think it's a little over, 20 uh, guests on the show. And we thought it would be a good time to reflect a little bit on what we've been talking to our guests about, um, talk a little bit more about our own thoughts about all of these things. So I think it's gonna be a good week. Kira, how are
1: you feeling? Uh, great, everything is good. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to think back about some of the folks we've talked to and kind of look ahead a little bit. Yeah, that's that's also I think a fun part of this is that we talk a lot off
0: recording about where the conversation is going and, which voices we haven't included yet. And so we'll talk a little bit about that um, as well today. So it should be um, fun. And we're going to start actually by talking a little bit in the same way that we talk with our guests about the backgrounds of people that we've interviewed and how that has influenced um, their lives. I, I think this is one of those questions that you always ask a podcast guest a little bit about themselves, but we've, I think, tried to influence, or we've tried to talk more about what really got them into the realm that they're in and hopefully help other people think about their own story and inspire them and those kinds of things. So we just thought it would be fun to reflect a little bit about what trends we've seen or what stories have really stood out to us about people's journeys. Um, so so Kira, do you want to start and talk a little bit about what you've been hearing?
1: Yes, certainly. Um, so one thing that I have noticed that many of our guests lead off by mentioning that they have had, and they they use different terms for this, but they talk about something of some sort of nonlinear pathway, or some of them use the term an unconventional pathway, but there's this notion that what they have, the journey that they've taken has been less of a straight line and less of what you would predict or what our culture maybe would prescribe, perhaps. Um, They talk also a little bit about the role of serendipity. And this reminds me, I mean, it's, it's funny how often that comes up, I think. And it really reminded me of uh, some reading I had done um, in preparation, actually, for um, the book that Lance Hosie and I wrote, Women in Green. And um, Mary Catherine Bateson is one of the authors that I spent a lot of time reading. Uh, she wrote a book in 1989 um, called Composing a Life. And she basically was looking into sort of the culturally conditioned mythologies that we have about success and achievement and then what it, what it, requires of people to kind of get beyond that or transcend that and to live a meaningful, authentic life. And I think that's kind of interesting because it suggests uh, really that this notion of composing that sort of life is, is rarely neat or linear. Um, and I just wanted to read a little bit from uh, something in that book because I thought it, was really, it had some really uh, relevant points for us. The circumstances of women's lives now and in the past provide examples for new ways of thinking about the lives of both men and women. What are the possible transfers of learning when life is a collage of different tasks? How does creativity flourish on distraction? What insights arise from the experience of multiplicity and ambiguity? And at what point does desperate improvisation become significant achievement? I especially love that last term, desperate improvisation. Yeah. and I really think, I don't know, that one to me just feels, it feels like what we're doing right now. It feels like what civilization is kind of up to uh, with respect to climate. Um, and it, that sounds a little bit like what my household is doing as well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just life in general is just exactly. a every day. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think that whole notion is something to be the notion of that nonlinear path and what we get from that rather than oh, isn't it weird that I followed this not, nonlinear path? Rather, cele- I mean, maybe we should be celebrating that rather than avoiding it, and really looking at ways that many of us can change lanes, as it, such as it is, um, as needed as this crisis unfolds around us.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I, I also just, by the way, love the idea of composing one's life, like the, oh, there's such a complexity to that metaphor. Um, I haven't read this book, but now, of course, I will probably put it on my list and try to read it.
1: Oh, and yeah. it gets even better. There's a, another one she uh, came out with that I didn't even know about um, called Composing a Further Life. And it's about sort of later adulthood, which is fascinating. Hey. Too. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And yeah. and it does feel like that. I mean, there's it's a great amount of intention that we put into our lives. I think when you hear about all of these nonlinear pathways, it, it's not that people were just kind of bouncing around. It's that they sort of, you know, they found one thing somehow, and then that led them to find something new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that thing wasn't what they wanted. And so they sort of went out on a search for something else. And so so it does feel like composing in many ways. I think that's super cool. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot as well, especially because my career has been relatively linear compared to mm-hmm. a lot of our guests and compared to a lot of people that I've admired professionally in my life. Uh, and I'm always sort of self-conscious about it because, you know, I sort of, <laughs> I, I like really like latched on to working on sustainability in buildings at a very young age, and that's what I'm still doing. And I wonder, I mean, I actually think about it in relationship to some of these young people like Greta Thunberg and others that um, got focused on the climate Mm -hmm. very young. And I can't really imagine that they're going to go on and like change careers, you know, (laughs) and be Mm -hmm. something else. But But what I have settled on for myself is, I mean, certainly it was partially just being very, lucky um, that the thing that sort of random uh, topic that I picked became a thing that continued to sustain over time. It's, I feel like it's a little bit like how some people talk about marriages where like you both grow over time and the chances that you grow and continue to be compatible are not always that great, but sometimes you do. Yes. <laughs> and I think I have grown with our, with our profession, with our movement, and it's just continued to be great, which is nice, you know, like I could have started in food or something else and that, you know, but I also think it is it, one of the things I've really noticed about a lot of the guests is that what I've gotten excited about, I guess is that a lot of these sort of nonlinear pathways and different professions that people have been in before they came to our movement, have had such an incredibly positive influence on the way that they do their work. Th- there are so many examples of this from our guests, but some of the ones that really stand out to me, uh, Liz Obu talking about her parents being anthropologists and, and uh, public health uh, professionals mm-hmm. and how that, those professions influenced what she does now. Uh, Gail Brager talking about her mother being an activist. Uh, Judy Hearwagen talking about her background in ecology, Erin mm-hmm. Mizan on on the law front, um, actually Sarah Goldman being a, a sort of a journalist and trying to figure out, am I a journalist or am I an environmentalist and which school do I go to? I think there's a in each case when you see these women and what they do with their lives, those influences from the other disciplines or other fields that they've been a part of has a huge impact on their work. And and it's so enriching to me to, yeah. to see like that, that that's part of the perspective that they're bringing to things. And so it, it's partially that I, th- I think a lot of us have that opportunity, if we haven't yet done it in our lives to sort of Think about how other professions might approach the challenges that we face. I I can say even later in life, now uh, with my partner, I live with a person who is a humanist. He's a historian, and it has really influenced me a lot in my thinking about um the challenges that our movement faces. So, so like. You know it's it's not it's not just a question of what you ha- yourself have learned um or been a part of as an industry but just the things that you're exposed to uh and that you think about every day that that really add a, a richness to your ability to tackle the issues that we're dealing with in the sustainable buildings movement
1: i think that's so true and it's so interesting lindsay i don't actually think of your path as as being as linear as you describe it mostly because i think what's interesting about um, your pathway is that you you have you have been focused but in that focus you have broad understanding of what that looks at so it can you're you're manifesting yourself in you know you've done a d- variety of different things and are looking at policy now as a part of it which some architects would be like that is outs- that is not my lane at all but these days it's all of our lane, I yeah, think. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I think Liz Obu actually said it best in some ways because it, it, she, she pointed out that part of what we have here is that, and I'm, I'm like this too, I've always been very focused on this question of how we're going to get buildings to consume less and be better spaces for human life. Like that has yeah. always been it from the very beginning. And so I think of it as linear because I've always had that mission in mind Yep. Uh, but as we talked about as she she described it there's a big difference between staying centered on your mission and staying centered on your role and uh you know she i think she she has always been more of the mission oriented person than I am that as well but in fact uh, yeah it's true i've done like a lot of different roles um in a lot of different sectors and all of that and and i do think that's actually a really important takeaway for people who are maybe finding themselves feeling a little bit less Centered or sure about their work is that at least for me personally, I would totally vouch for the approach of staying centered on a mission rather than a yep. role. Um, it, it really helps you feel know on a daily basis from a gut level
1: whether you're doing the work that you want
0: to be doing. I
1: think that's true. We heard that we've heard that from so many guests, and whose you know. And Elaine Shea was talking a little bit about that. I mean, she's really been in a lot of different kinds of roles, but she's been focused on a, on a even more, it's not as focused a driving mission as you describe for yourself, but it's definitely all, everything she's touched has had that as part of it. That's what's so interesting too, is that, um, and maybe our culture is getting better at not sort of penalizing people for that. But, you know, typically you advance in the sort of conventional way by, you know, going up the chain in a sort of, in a more linear fashion, right? And so that has been why some people have a let's just say less positive reaction to people that are you know appear to be moving around or shifting those lanes a little even if the mission is the same but i do think it's powerful and it's certainly true of our guests that's probably the most thing they have in common most is that the big goal So let's talk a little bit about some of the work that people are doing. We've tried to have guests on who represent broad perspectives on the industry. And we've had people from carpet companies, architects, we've had social impact designers, professors, the really broad mix of activity. What are you noticing about what people are actually up to?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it is hard, right? Because it's such breadth and that's intentional um, to to say a lot about the trends. But a couple of things that I've gotten more excited about since we started the podcast. One just generally speaking is embodied carbon and the work people are doing there. I think it's exciting just to see such uncharted territory being charted and it's inspiring to hear the work there. If I had to you know tell someone like what is the corner of our world that has like the most action that maybe, you should get into if you want to, if you want to do something kind of cool and cutting edge, that's probably what I would tell them. Yep. Um, uh, so, so embody carbon is definitely one that I, I'm getting more excited about. But one of the things I think more generally speaking that I'm noticing about the work is that a lot of people are going through this act of figuring out how to persist over time Erin Mizan talked about this most specifically as it related to Interfaces sustainability goals when she was talking about how they're a company that's been doing this for a long time. And so essentially they've had this, they've already gone through their first round of sustainability goals and they've hit them. And uh, some people in the organization. Look at that and say, "Great, we're done with sustainability. Let's move on," you know, and just like keep making the money. But of course, that's not what they did, and that's not what she knew they had to do. They had to figure out what the next goals were, and so it does feel to me like a lot of people uh, that we've interviewed. I mean, this is probably just the nature of like the podcast and who we would have on. People have accomplished some things, mm-hmm. and the act of figuring out what you do next is really is is really. Um, you know, in, intellectually challenging. I think Eden Brookman had a lot of wonderful things to say in this realm because she was talking about sort of Danella Meadows and the leverage points in a system stuff. Mm-hmm. I think because we've tried some of these simpler mechanisms to get the industry to change and become more sustainable and like sometimes they haven't worked or they've had unintended consequences or they've worked in some you know corners of the, of our world and not others people are getting more calculated about the specific levers for change and and that sophistication is really exciting to me i think i think it is something that requires great feminine leadership and i'm happy to see that we have it there
1: absolutely i really agree with that um and i i think it's really intriguing to see i mean how, uh, particularly, organizations that have been at it for a while and have seen some successes, how they set those next benchmarks, how they define their leadership role in the community, and all of that—it's—it's it's so important. And in terms of, I—I I know you mentioned Liz Obu already. I—I um, I was really taken with her, her discussion about how her work is rooted in the notion of spatial justice, and I think that really related to something that's come up in many of the conversations, which is just how we're seeing uh, social sustainability becoming more tangible in many ways. It seems to me that that's maturing further and faster uh, now. And um, lots of people are talking about what that next frontier looks like um, and how we're addressing equity in more tangible ways um, with actions and commitments um, sort of across the board.
0: Yeah, I mean, that it, it would be silly for us not to note just how much equity and justice and race have been a part of our conversations in the past few months. It's not something I would have predicted, and it's been really delightful. I was just listening back to Marge Anderson and thinking about how I don't know that a year ago, even, we would have had a podcast that is three white women talking about stuff, and one of them set, starts a sentence with, as a white woman, you know, that like, this is my perspective, dot, dot, dot. And And I think I'm happy with how top of mind it has been to talk specifically about race and racial justice in America today. I think given what is going on in the broader world or especially in the the US right now, it's not that it's super surprising. We didn't do anything in our podcast uniquely to decide that we were going to talk about that stuff, but I'm happy that we've created space for it. Podcasts like this, where we are talking about equity in some ways, partially because of gender, that we really have given the space for people to start talking about what matters to them, what they want to work on, what they are already working on, mm-hmm. um, you know, how they're dealing with this surge in questions and activity around um, racial justice. It's been, I think it's been really um, cool and it it makes it, I think we're in a more fertile ground than we have been in the past uh, for really doing the work that you were talking about of like really making sure that our movement is addressing equity in, in all of its forms not just racial equity but but all of it in in the work that we do so it's it's exciting um, that that's been such a trend in the conversations
1: it um, is and i think it ha- i think you're right it's happened really organically um which i think points to how you know many of the people we've been talking to that work in this space have been thinking about these issues Um, for a long time and have, have including recognizing the deficits in the, in the community and in the industry. Um, So I I think it's, it's, it's natural for them to feel like this is the right time to talk about it more and be more concrete about where things are going.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, One thing we wanted to get out about that, because I think it actually does speak a little bit to this question of voices and representation is, what we haven't talked about yet and who we haven't talked to yet. So let's talk about that. I think it would be fun to just give everybody a sense of where we're Can headed a next. Preview? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, well, soon we're going to be talking to Lucia Athens, um, who's in Austin, Texas. And I'm excited to talk to her because I, I do think we owe it to ourselves to come back to the topic of cities and how cities are addressing these issues, all of them, (laughs) equity and climate and and all of it. Um, So I'm excited for that conversation. We did touch on cities, of course, a little with Eden and with uh, some others, um, but I think that'll be a a pretty exciting conversation.
0: Yeah, Lucia is definitely someone who has, it seems like always thought at the city scale on some level. So it'll be cool to talk to her. One of the next ones I'm excited about is Rachel Gutter, who is going to join us soon and talk, I'm sure, about lots of things. Rachel and I have a very fun history that she will tell you about. Um, But in particular, I think Rachel brings a voice to issues around equity and also around health and how those are kind of connected. So that one will be fun. I'm looking forward to having her on.
1: Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to we are gonna have an unusual two guest show with Mandy Lee and Alyssa Lyon, who are active in the NAACP's uh, Centering Equity in the Sustainable Building Sector group, which I'm, I've been a, a little bit involved in this year, um, but I think a lot more folks have gotten become aware of that group and I think it'll be really interesting to talk to them about that whole topic. And how they are, what the what the goals are there, and how they're trying to advance all of that. The people that are involved in that it goes. It's much beyond designers. It goes, you know, to development and to developers and owners and all of that. So I'm I'm really eager to, to see where where they think that that group and what they're doing is going.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about that one as well. Partially just the discovery that. Um, you and I had <laughs> about just the idea that NAACP is is involved actively to the point that it has hired Mandy. It was exciting and get to have their brilliance to contribute to what needs to happen next in our communities. Super cool, right? Um, yeah, and uh, so another one that we have coming up soon is Jenny Carney, who I think uh, um, a lot of our listeners will know. I am particularly excited that Jenny is going to talk about existing buildings more and the sort of mechanisms around which we can incentivize existing buildings to change, to improve. Uh, she's just someone who thinks about that in a really brilliant way and has done a bunch of cool work on it, so that one will be fun. But Definitely. then aside from the specific people, there's a few things that I'm hoping that we will cover more. One, I will say um, just as a teaser, we are going to occasionally have a guest that is outside of the building industry um, because we thought it would be nice to kind of have these outside voices. There'll be women working more broadly in climate. We, We just thought to give that sort of other perspective, other lives, other ways that people are fighting and how they might think about the work that we're doing, we're going to have that. So we have someone that we're talking to, and I think it'll be pretty exciting. So um, stay tuned for that. The other topics in particular that I'm excited to talk about more is is policy work. We haven't yet really talked too much to people who are focused on Policy in the buildings and climate realm, and as I'm going to talk about in a minute, that is my new work, and so I'm sure that I will spill over into having some cool guests talking about that. And I mean, even just from the perspective of like architects who get engaged in mm-hmm. uh, speaking up about policy and things, I think I think there's
1: a lot of cool stuff there. So so that's that that's coming up. Yep, I am very excited about that. I'm I guess it makes me a little bit of a geek to say how excited I am about policy, but I think it's huge right now. I really do. I've been so impressed to see I mean I I see the architects that's more in the my my space, but but many many people stepping up to address that topic because it's so it drives so many things across the industry. Um so I think it's really it's big and very important, so I'm stoked for that. In terms of other kinds of guests I'd like to be, I'm, I'm hoping we can cultivate. I would like to make sure that we're expanding the number of folks working in different disciplines that we're talking to. Um, for example, I think there's a whole bunch of exciting things happening in the landscape architecture realm, so I'm hoping we can tap into that sometime yeah. very soon. And there's another one that's a little bit, maybe, a, it's going to be a little trickier to tap into, but I think is important. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And that's the issue of the indigenous perspectives and how and where those influences are, you know, revealing themselves in the industry now and where, where maybe they, we could do more um, on that and bring that wisdom into what we're doing. Um, yeah, totally. Really, really fun to talk about that. But we should shift gears slightly to talk a little bit, one question we always like to ask our guests is how they think the movement, if, it is, if, if they see it as a movement, is doing. Um, so Lindsay, what have you been your observations about how people feel we're doing at this point?
0: Yeah, so this has been fascinating to me and I don't know that I would have expected it, but I guess if I'd really taken a guess, I might have expected it which is that people generally have been saying we've been doing the work that we set out to do we feel like we've been making good progress we don't have regrets but also we aren't hitting the goals and like we're worried about that and so like in my head i have this like weird sort of metaphorical situation where like there's a lake and you're in a boat and you're trying to get from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat and you like set out and maybe you've got like an hour or something. You set out and you're like 30 minutes in and you've been paddling really hard and you've only gotten like a quarter of the way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, well, I mean, I'm trying and and I'm proud of it and I feel mm-hmm. good about it. I don't think it could have gone faster, but I'm not there. And there's something very frightening about that because we are dealing with a very, very real existential, like very tangible crisis on our hands. And so yeah so I've been curious and you know sometimes I've really um, probed people on whether they're what like how do they feel about that Um, so to some degree I think I think that that's a little scary it's interesting to me to hear the degree to which people are are coming to terms with that you know like we're not actually there um, and that that's scary in my mind I have one way in which I like to see this as a part of a whole which is that we may be approaching our hockey stick moment, which is this metaphor that gets used a lot in business, especially in startups, that you sort of have this, you know, first few years where you are um, kind of figuring out how to get your business in line and like how it all is going to work. And then at a certain moment, once you've kind of built the machine and it works and everything, then you have a hockey stick. So like on a graph, you would have the, the angle of the hockey stick (laughs) means that you are rapidly increasing your, your growth all of a sudden. And everybody's always looking for that hockey stick moment. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's worth pointing out that just because we have been going as fast as we can And our progress is not enough yet. It's not, you know, if you drew a line straight from where we were to where we need to be, and we're halfway through, we're not on that line like that, that's okay. It's fine that we're not on that line. Um, But it still means that something, it can't look the way that it has for the past 20 years, what we have to do in the next 20 years. And and that is, I want to talk more with people about that and kind of brace ourselves for the momentum that we need to be creating in those next 20 years. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not, yep. we, we, we haven't gotten our heads around that yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I do think that even when folks say that they're, you know, that they don't think we're going fast enough or something like that. I mean, I have yet to leave a call with one of our guests feeling uh, pessimistic. <laughs> So it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that they are all, they are examples of people in most cases, I think of of people who are really part of keeping that momentum up and being realistic about the the hurdles ahead, but really, you know, driving the energy. And I I find it incredibly inspiring. I will say that, you know, I had, I've talked about this a fair amount on this podcast about how COVID has been sort of a a bit of a wake up call around climate. And I mean, it's hard to think of COVID as a good thing in any way, but I had, I had hoped that actually it might be a little bit helpful just for like broader consciousness for us. Although I, there's a flip side of course, which is all the science denial that we're seeing around COVID is extremely worrisome for climate. But that said, we don't have really time for that kind of pessimism. So we, we have to stick with the other side and the, the sort of stay with the momentum part. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I mean, we happen to be in a good time for the, the switching of gears. So it's a good thing. It, it's good that we have that opportunity anyway. Well, so, okay, so one question I've been thinking about a lot is just like favorite story, you know, because we have all of these great things. And maybe it's also a teaser for people who haven't listened to all the episodes
1: to go back to one. Sure. Um, this is a hard think? one though, Lindsay. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's so a funny. lot of good stories. <laughs> <laughs> I I had I had identified one to talk about and then I was like, oh, but, oh, but wait, but, oh no, I have to mention, no. So I would say, just to say one I loved Marge Anderson talking about her, what she called an unlikely path to sustainability from a working class upbringing, which I found so compelling because I feel like it's a reminder that this industry really needs to work on class as well as ethnic diversity and not only how we um, introduce people to our field so that they may choose a career within it um, specifically, but also how we, include them in what we're talking about. And and that there are whole categories of people whose own knowledge and awareness, you know, they may use entirely different terms around these things, but they have a cultural depth of knowledge that we need um, (laughs) to move forward. And so I found that just really compelling, her, her story about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to mention that Marge is just such a compelling storyteller.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's absolutely hilarious, too, and humor is we so absolutely need humor on this path.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: She was great at that. Well, so speaking
0: of storytelling, I think mine is Sarah Golden talking about her interactions with the oil industry? <laughs> uh, because like partially just because this, what an incredible thing that is. But it, it it's specifically incredible to me because it reminds me that the, the front lines of this fight are just right over there. They're just right in front of us. And you know, she experienced that from her from these various interactions that she's had. Very young woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she really had to get in there and be yeah. able to engage, and and that and that was just a part of the job. And she did it, and she's managing that relationship very gracefully. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that that was a big one
1: that I'm excited to have heard her talk about. So absolutely, that was great. So. Shifting gears just slightly, um, Lindsay, I think we wanted to sort of wrap up a little bit by kind of talking about what's next, um, where things are leading, and maybe you want to kick that off by talking about what's next for you.
0: Um, it's official enough now that I'm, I, I feel like it will be helpful for our, our listeners to understand the context of, of the podcast and things we talk about. I'm, I'm happy. It's, I feel like it's been gradually becoming more real. And so it's hard to know when to start talking. But I am really going to dive into the realm of advocacy and activism around climate uh, for the building sector. So what I'm in the process of doing is incubating a new organization that uh, will try to bring together the building industry around climate um, and engage more in a few areas, but in particular dealing with policy and the opportunity that we might have in the coming year to really push climate action through some bigger policy changes that, that could happen here in the U.S. So, my plan is to convene people around some of these ideas and to form an organization that helps to bring that voice more strongly to the table. I'm doing that as a senior fellow at the Rocky Mountain Institute, which I'm very excited about. So they are essentially helping me to sort of incubate this thing and navigate uh, where it goes next. So it's still very much in transition, but it is a real thing. And uh, especially thanks to RMI, it is actually, it has a home for now, while we get all of the details worked out. Thus, my excitement about all of the policy stuff. And uh, I think also some, to some degree, this conversation about where the movement goes and what it means to be a part of a movement. I think we can do a lot more there and I'm excited to take that on.
1: It's so exciting, Lindsay. Um, I'm. I really can't wait to see what that looks like um, and and really what you're able to to do there. I think that it's a perfect moment for it too. I really do think that certain groups within the building industry that have not touched advocacy before very meaningfully are ready to do that now. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's it's a perfect time for that. So. So excited. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Wait to learn more. I wanted to add to that, that I would really like to, one thing that's been on my mind a lot, and you mentioned Greta and and the young people that are so driven by climate concerns. I really would like to be hearing from more young people and really getting a better handle on their perspectives, what they're seeing and feeling um, as we go forward. I feel like this relates a little bit to um, an architect friend of mine, Bob Berkebeil, who's a founder of the American Institute of Architects Committee on the Environment. He has an expression, I have to credit it to him, but he talks about our climate response requiring a cultural change of heart. And I really do think that we still need that. I mean, the industry can continue to make, to chip away, <laughs> but we still need a bigger, bigger move. For, yeah. You know, um, I mean, it's going to take that and it'll be great if the industries are all queued up when that happens. (laughs) That's awesome. So the progress needs to continue on all those fronts. But this makes me think that we should be talking more about love and other emotions. And this, I've been thinking about whether um, this idea about whether love and empathy, for example, are really the key to um, this sort of symphony of innovation that we need to to pull this off, because it's going to have to be big and broad and inclusive, and it's it's much bigger than something we've done lately. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. it certainly is. um That's an understatement, I think.
0: <laughs> but I totally love what you're saying. Uh, sorry, that was like a pun right there. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's a. I think it's an important point. I think we. I've occasionally had that conversation on the podcast, and I hope we have it more. Um, just about the role that those emotions play and and how important it is to stay centered on them, um, despite all of the ways in which our brains bring us into other emotions every mm-hmm. day. That those are really some of the most powerful ones we have. And and it's also a wonderful way to wrap up the the podcast. <laughs> so thank you for leaving us with a positive emotion. And let's see, I, I hope this has been useful. I hope it's been nice to have a bit of a break from from the guests and give everyone that's been listening a chance to reflect for themselves on what you've been learning or thinking about. We would always love to hear your feedback. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, for example, that's a good way to to get a hold of us. If you have ideas about the trends or the themes that we've been hitting on or Guest ideas, all of that. We're we're here and we're happy to hear from you. So we look forward to having you for another set of amazing guests and um, and more conversations like this. And thanks again for listening. So with that, we're going to wrap up for the day. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again to Acuity for hosting and to you all. Our listeners, please leave us a review on Apple. It helps people find us and it's much appreciated. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week.